1: Hello, hello. Welcome back to Peak Northwest, an outdoors and travel podcast by The Oregonian and Oregon Live, dedicated to the adventure and exploration of our beautiful Pacific Northwest. I'm Jamie Hale.
0: And I'm Jim Ryan. And together we take you to some of the most beautiful and interesting destinations in our region, discussing where to go, what to do, and places to see. And this week on the podcast, we're going to be talking about some really beautiful destinations relatively close by that i think a lot of oregonians tend to forget about jamie and that's the trio of mount rainier mount adams and mount saint helens jamie they're not that far but i tend to overlook them in terms of a destination for kind of your standard day hike or weekend trip jim let me ask you something how often do you go to mount rainier I have been to Mount Rainier a grand total of, and this is criminal, Jamie, one time. One time. One time. One weekend full of time spent at Mount Rainier in July of 2019.
1: So it's recent, too. It's not even like you went there once a while ago. No,
0: it's like I had not gone until just over a year ago, and that one trip was to try to climb Mount Rainier. And other than that one trip, I have spent no time, absolutely zero, uh, exploring any of its gorgeous trails, doing much of anything up in that neck of the woods. And I I look at it as a real blind spot in terms of kind of my northwest knowledge of the outdoors, if you will.
1: You're not alone in that gym. I mean I'm I'm pretty much in the same boat. I've been to Rainier twice in the same year, and this must have been back in, I think, 2015 or so. But I have not been back there since, and that was the first time I had ever gone there. It, there's something about Mount Rainier that seems, I don't know, like, uh, inaccessible or it's far away for those of us, especially in the Portland area. But if you look at it, if you look at, like, Google Maps and you see how far it is, it's just as far away as Bend. Mount Rainier is just as far away as I think like Newport. So there's all these places that we go to all the time. People go to Bend frequently. I'm Jim, I'm sure you've been to Bend more yeah. times you've been to Rainier, many more times. Exactly. I mean I go down up and down the coast all the time, but making the 3-hour trek to Rainier for some reason just seems I don't know, difficult or there's something about it that's like it seems like oh that's that's Seattle's mountain. That's not our mountain. So we don't go there. But it's such a beautiful place. It's the tallest mountain In the Cascades, there are dozens and dozens of beautiful trails, wildflower trails, and you know, all of these gorgeous views and waterfalls and forests. It's a really phenomenal place that just somehow gets overlooked, at least by a lot of us here in Oregon. Yeah. I mean, like
0: I said, I've been up at Mount Rainier only one time, a a year or so ago. And there's really no excuse as to why I shouldn't return soon. I guess with the obvious caveat of uh, we are still operating in the age of COVID-19 and traveling long distances isn't recommended at the moment. And from what I've seen, Mount Rainier is a busy place at the moment. But uh, those disclaimers aside, Jamie, uh, many, many reasons to get back up uh, to Mount Rainier. And it's not like you got to go climb the thing to have a good
1: time. No, no. There's a lot of really easy hiking trails up there. And this is the same for all three mountains we're talking about today. Mount St. Helens, yeah. Mount Adams as well. All three of these, I think, are volcanoes that get overlooked by some of us in the Portland area, but really are some of these top-notch destinations here in the Pacific Northwest. So, Jim, what do you say we give these mountains there due today?
0: Yeah, I like that, Jamie. Uh, th- this episode kind of, we, we pulled it out of, uh, thin air, if you will, uh, not a lot of notice. Uh, but that just goes to show that these volcanoes are not on our mind all the mm-hmm. time, right? Th- this is something that's kind of, oh, what should I do this weekend? More often than not, it, it seems like these volcanoes, at least for me, are not at the top of mind when it comes time to make that decision. So, uh, I don't know, we kind of got into Mount Rainier a little bit um, here at the start of the show, Jamie, but why don't we just dive in a little bit to what Rainier has to offer?
1: I think that's a great idea, Jim. Like we said, Mount Rainier is the tallest volcano in the Cascade Mountains, standing at uh, just over 14,400 feet tall. That's huge, Jim. That is huge. And there's so much to do there. Uh, there's a couple different places that people like to go to kind of kick off their Mount Rainier excursions. The most popular of them is Paradise, which I got to say is just like, I think, a perfect name for, I don't know, any scenic destination yeah, I'll, um,
0: I'll, I'll, I'll push back against paradise a little bit though, because it's not unique. Mount Hood has a paradise. <laughs> Rainier has a paradise. I bet if we just Googled like geographic, uh, place <laughs> names of paradise, there are so many. That's and a good point. I get it because if you name your place paradise, it probably rocks pretty hard, right? <laughs> but come on now. Uh, let's pick a little bit better than paradise. Anyway, paradise is a super cool place though.
1: I love I love this soapbox you jumped on. Uh, I, I jumped on it,
0: and I, I'm I'm gonna jump off uh, right away because <laughs> it's not what this is about.
1: I you can know, tell you, have thought no about one, this before. <laughs>
0: well, I, I, I I've done this rant at least once. Uh, just and I don't even have that much basis for it. But you have to think that there are paradises, paradise parks, whatever's it, oh sure, whatever it might be, all over the place, and uh, it just kind of cracks me up a little bit. But paradise up at Mount. Rainier is, number one, it's kind of the gateway to uh the main climbing route on the mountain, the Disappointment Cleaver uh, route up to the summit. Um, it is uh, kind of by association the gateway to uh, Camp Muir, which is a famous perch up on the mountain quite high up. Uh, a spot for climbers and uh, I imagine some folks also day hike or climb up there. And it's also a, a launching point for a lot of trails too. I would have to imagine, Jamie.
1: Yeah, that's what I've done at Paradise before, um, is day hiking. It's, they have a visitor center up there, which is sort of a great kickoff point for anyone who wants to, even if you don't want to hike, it's a great place to drive up and get a good look at the mountain stop and check out the visitor center there. And there's some really easy trails that start from there, some paved pathways, and they can kind of lead up into some more moderate and difficult trails from there. So no matter what your hiking level and capability is, there are some trails at Paradise that can take you to some really beautiful spots. i I'm spent a whole afternoon and evening in the summer hiking around the Paradise area, and it was just, just gorgeous
0: and and just one note on that too Jamie we talk fairly regularly on the podcast about you don't have to work that hard to get really awesome scenery really awesome views here in the Pacific Northwest paradise is a perfect example of that in the sense that you know their whole parking lot area some of the trails um some of the pathways directly around paradise ADA accessible in the sense that you can get out there on a paved path in a wheelchair, whatever you may need
1: to experience some really spectacular sights. Absolutely. And then there's just so much around Mount Rainier. So, I mean, if that's kind of the the basic entry point, it, you know, it also means it's going to be a lot more crowded in some of these other areas as well. So this is where you're going to see a lot of people on the trails. Um, you know, a lot of people who maybe aren't as quite as experienced hikers. Uh, if you're trying to stay away from crowds, it's maybe not the best place to go right now. Yeah. Uh, but there are so many other places around Mount Rainier where you can go. Uh, the other kind of big visitor center area is Sunrise. So this is on a different side of the mountain. So Paradise is on that just southern uh, face of the mountain. And uh, Sunrise is on the northeastern face of the mountain, as Sunrise kind of implies. Uh, I have not been up there. Jim, have you been to Sunrise before? I have not. So we are, we are bad travel
0: guides, uh, for this side <laughs> of the mountain. It, it sounds like you're ready to rattle off though some, some good factoids here, uh, well, about sunrise.
1: I know that it opens up a little bit later in the year. So this is sort of your, your late summer. I think it's open now. It kind of depends on the snow melt and all of that. Um, I believe it's at a bit, a little bit higher of an elevation. Uh, and there's just also, again, tons and tons and tons of trails that go from there. Um, I would say this is a pretty good, uh, morning area to hike as the name suggests, because you're getting some of that good light on the mountain. Um, and if you want something that's a little bit more different, um, just a different, uh, sort of look at the mountain. I feel like a lot of us are used to looking at Mount Rainier from sort of that Seattle side from the North, um, or from the South of paradise. It just gives you another angle at it. So, I mean, if you've been to paradise before, especially I think sunrise is a really good spot to go and get a little bit of a different experience.
0: Yeah. And, and again, smart Jamie to toss out kind of disclaimer of paradise, probably super busy right now. Definitely. Some of these other top hikes that, you know, if you go onto all trails or Google best Mount Rainier hikes, whatever you might do, probably a lot of those places right now are going to be pretty packed. So these might not be the first places we think to go, but especially with Mount Rainier, it's close to places where a lot of people live. And a lot of people are probably thinking of the park as one of their go-to hiking places. The most popular spots, still gonna be popular at the moment.
1: Now, Jim, there's obviously a lot of good day hiking all over Mount Rainier. And I think people can go and find a lot of different places to go hiking in forests, meadows, lakes, all that kind of stuff. But Jim, let's talk about climbing Mount Rainier for a second. And I know that's something that, that you have done. So what can you tell us about what the climb up Mount Rainier is like and what 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 that kind of climb requires. Yeah, so can can I just talk
0: about my climb last summer uh, yeah. and how that went? So, uh this is a soapbox. I'm happy to get on. This is this is a a topic. <laughs> this is wading right into an area that I like to discuss. So, Mount Rainier has a number of roots, if you will, to the top. And when I say root, that does not mean trail. That does not mean something that you're wearing your hiking boots and you are just plodding up kind of a steep hike. Any way to the top of Mount Rainier, no matter how you slice it, is going to be a technical climb. And that's going to be a climb where you're going to wear crampons on your feet, mountaineering boots. You're going to be carrying other kind of technical equipment, such as an ice axe or two, uh, depending on what kind of route you're going to be taking to the top. Some folks are going to be using skis for maybe part of the ascent and parts of the descent. I did not take skis uh, on this trip, but organized uh, with some friends, uh, we had two rope teams to ascend Mount Rainier last summer. And Our rope teams were split up into a team of three and a team of two. And that's what it would imply, Jamie. It's you have two people attached to each other with a rope and then three others. And we kind of traveled as a group of five. And one of the complications for climbing a mountain sometimes is you have to get permits for a certain day or a certain weekend, maybe a spot to camp. And we had permits uh, to camp at a place called Ingram Flats. Uh, which is roughly above Camp Muir, kind of the standard trade route climbing uh, camp. Um, The trade route's known as the Disappointment Cleaver. We chose to go up that way because it's generally regarded as the easiest way to the top. And mind you, still not all that easy. We climbed on our first day up to Camp Muir through just some really miserable weather. And I, I, I don't know that I can underscore on the podcast, how really undesirable it was to be in the place where we were at the time we were in it. It was wet. It was cold. We were pretty soaked, but we knew that once we made it up to Camp Muir, we were going to be above the clouds and it was going to be sunny. It was going to be gorgeous. In theory, we'd be able to dry out. And sure enough, when we got up to Camp Muir, you know, pretty high on the mountain, I, don't have an elevation here in front of me, but uh, we were able to, you know, strip off our boots and our socks, dry some stuff out, eat some food, went up and camped at Ingram Flats. We camped there on the snow and then in the morning set off for the summit and just kind of had this slow uh, but steady uh, trek upwards, you know, winding our way over some rock and snow through heavily crevassed areas and ending up at the top of the Pacific Northwest, the summit of Mount Rainier, which was pretty special.
1: Just, I mean, quickly, Jim, how does that compare to climbing, say, Mount Hood?
0: I would say, well, it's a different experience. Rainier is such a bigger mountain. You have to deal with being at higher altitudes. So Rainier is above 14,000 feet Mount Hood is 11,240 approximately. That is a different story. The way the altitude hits you a little bit higher up does make a difference. On Mount Hood, I would say most people do not use ropes for kind of the standard south side routes uh, starting from Timberline by the name of uh, the Old Chute and Pearly Gates, kind of two route names you might see used. And those are probably the two most popular ways to ascend the mountain. And Rainier is a lot longer. It's uh, an ascent that most people do over two days. It's more elevation gain. I think it's more mileage. The mileage isn't crazy, but it's not about necessarily how far you're going. It's about how much climbing you're doing. Rainier packs a much uh, more heavier punch in that regard.
1: I should say, too, just as sort of an addendum to all this, that um, Mount Rainier's website is saying that that cleaver route is not going to be a novice climbing route this year. So normally you might go with a guide service to help you climb up. Jim, I'm not sure if you did that or not. Um, A lot of people do that. They go up there with guides. And this year, because of the coronavirus, a lot of guide services are not operating. So just to know if that's if that's something that you want to do this year, try to climb Rainier, although it might be hard to get a permit to do so at this point, just for anyone going up there now, just keep in mind that it might be a little bit more difficult this year uh, because of that.
0: Yeah, definitely can't speak to the specifics of what the setup is on the mountain this year. I haven't been up there, but uh, know that the guides on Rainier kind of quote-unquote set and maintain the Disappointment Cleaver route under normal circumstances. And by no means is it a trail, but it's uh, a boot pack. You can tell where most people have been going, and the guides are kind of dictating a lot of that. They're setting wands in the snow or they are setting ladders over crevasses. There was one of those on the route when we did it. My team did not go with a guide service. We went on our own, but we definitely benefited from the work that the guides do up there. And it is a a route that's very heavily guided under normal circumstances. So all of that said, this is more of a storytelling session than anything else because (laughs) I think very few people are going to Uh, listen to a story about climbing Mount Rainier and then uh, kind of willy-nilly go out and try to do it themselves. That's not really the way that it works. You you need uh, either some folks to go with who have some technical mountaineering skills or a guide to take you up there. It's not something you could decide to do without some level of of prior knowledge
1: and preparation. Jim, I know that I am going to be living vicariously through your experience. (laughs) and not trying to go up there right now. But so I want to to shift a little bit to a mountain that is a little bit smaller and a little bit closer to home and I'd say arguably as famous if not more famous than Mount Rainier, uh which is our own Mount St Helens. Yeah, Mount St Helens. So
0: much shorter uh than Mount Rainier. Yeah, approximately half the height of Mount Rainier at this point. I know that's after Mount, the eruption, right? After the eruption, post eruption. So, so Mount Rainier, you said earlier is a little bit more than 14,400 feet, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mount St. Helens, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say this and then I'm gonna Google it. I'm gonna see how close I can get. 7,200, 7,300 feet? Let's see. Let's see. Uh, Mount St. Helens elevation, Google. Oh, I'm wrong. Google tells me 8,366. So. <sighs> That's still significantly
1: uh, not, shorter than it was before it blew up, though. Yes, which was a long shot. as Google is telling me, it used to stand at ninety six seventy seven. So that means that means it lost a good what is that over a thousand feet um, by that eruption, which is kind of crazy when you think about it. That is crazy,
0: and I'm sure many of us have seen the photos. I mean, truly a dramatic spectacle, deadly, uh tragically dramatic spectacle when Mount St. Helens did erupt. Jamie, that seems, what, that's 40 years ago this year mm-hmm. uh, that Mount St. Helens erupted. And since, I mean, the complete landscape of the mountain obviously is much, much different than it was pre-eruption. That's part of the grandeur, though, at this point, is that it's a very bizarre place to visit.
1: Yeah. And I think especially because, you know, we as, especially those of us who came from the white settlers here knew what it looked like before the eruption. I mean, exploded volcanoes is not so rare in the Pacific Northwest. I mean, look at Crater Lake or look at some of these, you know, jagged peaks of Oregon's Cascades. We know that mountains have done this, but to have seen one that's done it so recently, and this isn't, you know, 4,000 years we're talking about, this is 40 years ago. So we're kind of still in this really fresh phase from this eruption, speaking in geologic time. And it makes it just such a fascinating place to go see. So for folks who want to visit Mount St. Helens, there's kind of a couple different approaches you can take from it. Um, there's basically an approach from the north and an approach in the south. Um, the, since the volcano blasted on the north side and basically took out that entire face of the volcano, you're getting that kind of blast zone experience if you're coming from the North. And that's, I think, what a lot of people like to go and do and see. So if you're coming from that side, a lot of stuff kind of starts at the Johnston Ridge Observatory um, where there's a really, uh, really good museum there that talks about the uh, explosion and about volcanoes. It can be kind of a chilling experience because they get into the discussions about um, the casualties and just mm-hmm. the scope of the destruction um, It can be a little bit heavy, but I think it's really worth seeing for anyone who, who lives out here or has any kind of interest in you know, volcanoes at all. It's fascinating. Um And from the observatory museum, there's a couple trails that go off sort of towards that face of the volcano and out to um, Spirit Lake, uh, which is sort of famously uh, one of the settings for the eruption. So that's, I think, one of the, the, the easiest ways to go about it is kind of approach it from the north and go from the observatory. A lot of people to like to approach it from the south side, which is where the climber's route starts as well. So Jim, mm-hmm. I, I assume, is it safe to assume that you've climbed Mount St. Helens as well? I have been up Mount St. Helens. And I will say
0: Mount St. Helens is one of the most approachable of kind of the big Cascades peaks for folks who maybe don't have as much of a mountaineering background. Um, it was the first big one that I climbed, I will say. Uh, I was in for a little bit of a shock in terms of how much work it was, how difficult I found it to be. But when I went back for a second time, I found it to be a little bit more manageable, a lot more manageable because I had a little bit better idea of what to expect. Mount St. Helens is what I would call kind of just a it's a long slog. And that doesn't mean that it's without danger. Of course, there's plenty of inherent risk of climbing a volcano that goes without saying. But Especially in the summertime, this takes on much more of a feel of a grueling hike rather than a technical climb. And when I've done it, it's been snowy both times. So I've, uh, the first time I brought a snowboard, the second time I, well, I think I snowboarded both times actually, snowboarded down, but I've only been up there in the snow and it, and it is still, you know, you're climbing up a volcano uh, in the snow It's definitely still has um, a technical flavor to it. But it's nothing where you're going to be doing any technical climbing moves, if you will. You're just going to want crampons and an ice axe and know how to use them uh, and go uphill for quite a quite a while. Anyhow, Jamie, it's a lovely climb. Uh, you do have to get a permit for it. It's not something you can just go up and do. But I would highly recommend for those who who feel interested and have kind of the requisite hiking slash climbing skills to go give it a shot because it is otherworldly and very cool.
1: What's it like then, Jim, standing at the sort of the ridge of that uh, peak there? Because it's not going to a peak like you do right near Mount Hood because you're going, uh, what, to the the ridge of a blast crater, right?
0: Yeah. So essentially the way it's referred to, at least I've heard it referred to, is the crater rim of Mount St. Helens. And you kind of you start uh, fairly low on the mountain. I've started at a snow park uh, at the time of the year where I've, I've climbed Mount St. Helens. And you kind of wind your way through the forest. You emerge above tree line and go uphill for quite some time until you emerge at the crater rim. And it's really an interesting place because you can just peer down into and we can make sure to drop a photo in. In the story that goes with uh, this episode of the show here, but you peer down and you can see, at least when I was up there, kind of this smoking. I don't know if it's ash. I don't know if it's steam or gas or whatever it might be, but clearly like some volcanic stuff going on down there in the crater. You can look out and see other cascades peaks. It's truly spectacular. Kind of one of those experiences where you're like, whoa, this is where I live. I live in a place where there is a volcano, puffing volcanic stuff. And I just climbed up here and I'm now going to either, you know, folks glissade, which is essentially, you know, sliding on your rear end slash back down the mountain or ski or get back on their snowshoes and, you know, trod their way back down. But the fact that you can do that and it's all within a couple hours of our home in Portland is pretty, pretty cool, if you ask me.
1: And it's a bit of a different experience, too. That's what I love about sort of the north versus south approach, because like you said, Jim, coming from the south, you're walking through the forest, you're climbing up the side of a mountain. I mean, this this is stuff that we're kind of used to approaching from the north. It's just such a completely Mm -hmm. different experience when you're hiking in through that that blast zone you know, you're, it's a lot more barren, uh, a lot more gray, and you're you're hiking through, you know, some a lot more sort of dustier, sandy pumice. It's just a, a totally different experience than, you know, you see in many places. And it's so fascinating that you get kind of the two sides of this volcano in, you know, one area.
0: Yeah, very cool. And I'll say I have not been up there in the summer, so I can't speak to what it's like specifically, you know, after a lot of the snow melts on that south side. But would really recommend, folks, if you're at all inclined, Mount St. Helens is a very interesting place and not just a place where you have to go climb. Lots of hiking trails. Uh There's actually a really good, so I hear, I have not done it, but uh some really good mountain biking to be had around Mount St. Helens as well. I know, Jamie, that's not something you do. It's something I do occasionally. But if that's something you're into, go check it out. If you haven't already, I would wager what I'm trying to say, I guess you've got options. And even if that option is simply going to Johnston Observatory and checking out the museum, you're not going to be disappointed
1: up there. Not at all. Well, Jim, let's take a a quick break. And when we come back, let's talk about the third of our three mountains. We'll talk about how to see Mount Adams, what to do when you're there, right after a quick break. All right, folks, we are back talking about some of the looked-over volcanoes of southwest Washington, at least for Oregonians. And we've already talked about Mount Rainier and Mount St. Helens. And now we want to talk about one that, Jim, at least to me, feels really looked over, at least personally by myself, which is Mount Adams. Yeah. Jim, what's your experience with Mount Adams? Because I actually... I have never actually been to Mount Adams. Never at all.
0: Well, I, no. I, I, for, for one time and one time only, I'm going to relish this, that I have more <laughs> re- relative travel experience than the man who is paid to do such things. This is good. This is good. So I, I mean, it's sad because my experience is not, uh, not all that great. I feel like, we're laying bare a real vulnerability uh, in our outdoors <laughs> knowledge here of, of this fine region, the Pacific Northwest. But I have only been to Mount Adams to, uh, to no one's surprise, I'm sure, climb up the darn thing and do a little snowboarding on mm. its snowy flank. And I had an amazing time. I've actually told this story on the podcast, Jamie, about being up on the side of Mount Adams as the Eagle Creek fire was starting in 2017. And uh, it was over Labor Day. I believe it was Labor Day weekend, 2017. And I was camped up with a couple of my pals at a place called Lunch Counter, uh, which is where a lot of folks spend the night during a two-day ascent of Mount Adams via its standard route and saw some smoke out in the distance and was kind of wondering what was going on. And, you know, because I cover wildfires as part of my job, I knew that there was a small fire, smaller relative fire going on in the gorge, but it was very spooky and it looked extremely, it looked like a big fire. And sure enough, when we came back into civilization and we're driving on state route 14 through the gorge on the Washington side, it was massive. But my one experience up there, and it's so sad because it's one lone experience, and this volcano is not very far from us, was, of course, climbing the volcano. And it was very cool. Uh, And I would love to go back, Jamie, and go maybe uh, do a little something different in that neck of the woods.
1: You know, Jim, there there are a lot of trails, it seems, again, not having a lot of expertise myself personally, but it seems like there are a lot of trails um, that take you kind of around the mountain or up to it there's you know if you're just looking on google maps here you can look and see that there's um, some major trails that branch off of the road that leads up to mount adams as well as a couple of little lakes and that's kind of always what i've wanted to do is go to some of these little lakes at the base of the mountain and get some nice pictures of the peak sort of reflecting in these waters anyone who's poked around northwest photography might be familiar with some of those kinds of shots So it's just another one of these beautiful places, uh, another one of these beautiful volcanic peaks to check out. So Jim, to, to kind of come back to climbing here for a second, my understanding is that Adams is a bit of an easier climb as well, right? Isn't it? I've heard that lunch counter approach, um, on the south side of the mountain is a little bit easier than some of the other volcanoes in the Northwest.
0: Yeah. So a good progression plan of, uh, volcano climbing here in the Northwest. Mount St. Helens, number one, maybe a a South Sister in there, and Mount Adams. Mount Adams has numerous ways to get to the top, and via its standard approach, is a fairly pedestrian endeavor. And and I'll I'll say that with an asterisk of anytime you're putting crampons on your feet and carrying an ice axe, there's a certain level of kind of inherent risk to that. And I, I don't want to make it seem like you can just willy-nilly go out and decide to do these things. Um, but among the higher peaks of the Northwest, Mount Adams is a great one via its standard route for folks who are on the beginner side of things. And what I remember about Mount Adams is it being quite a long slog, just not a lot of technicality, not necessarily punctuated by any particular crazy moments, if you will, other than, of course, the humongous wildfire burning in the distance. (laughs) But (laughs) but, uh, an incredibly beautiful place, a very big mountain. You know, you can kind of get the feel for what it would be like to be on a Mount Rainier or something like that by by being high up on Mount Adams. And when we were on top physically uh, of the mountain, it was very um, let's just say we didn't have much of a view. Uh, the wildfire didn't help us out in that regard. So we didn't get kind of your beautiful blue sky, see all the way down to, you know, your surrounding volcanoes kind of deal. And in that respect, uh, I would like to go and maybe either try a different route or there's, uh, some really good skiing to be had at a different time of year than when we were there. I would like to go back up and get another taste of Mount Adams sometime soon.
1: Yeah, you should have a really nice view of Mount Rainier and Mount St. Helens from Mount Adams and vice versa. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I know that we haven't given a ton of really specific ideas of ways to visit some of these volcanoes, especially Mount Adams. You know, so for folks who want to visit these, I would recommend doing what. Jim, I think you and I are probably going to do when we go out and visit these mountains, which is to just do some research and look for some easier or more difficult hiking trails, depending on what you're looking for to explore this area. I think it's kind of fun to have a place around here that's unexplored still. And you know what? Maybe Jim, like, you know, subconsciously, I've been keeping Mount Adams away in my back pocket to explore as this little place of unexplored beauty in the Northwest. It's kind of nice to have that, you know, after having been to so many places to be able to say, oh, here's a volcano. Here's an area that I don't know at all. And that's yeah. really fun to kind of have that feeling again. Something new to you.
0: You know, yeah. uh, I I think the point on this, this show is to not be like, you know, we've explored the Northwest and we can tell you all about it. There are definitely <laughs> weak areas, uh, weak spots in our knowledge. And, and I think it's OK to admit like, yeah, look, we haven't spent a lot of time up there but it's worth flagging. And for folks looking for something new, yeah, get online, do some research and uh, find a spot that fits your fancy. Because I'm, I'm very certain between the three mountains that we have talked about today, if folks can't find something that they're into in the outdoors, in one of those three places... We need like some money back guarantee. You didn't pay anything to listen to this podcast, but we need a money back guarantee. Like they're really, really great places. You're
1: going to be able to find something great, whatever it is like to do. Next time you think about driving three hours to Bend or to Newport or to Southern Oregon, consider just crossing the Columbia River and driving that three hours north to Mount Rainier instead, or heading over to St. Helens or Mount Adams and checking out those areas that maybe you haven't seen before.
0: I like it, Jamie. That sounds like a sweet way to end the show. So, until next time, you can subscribe to Peak Northwest wherever you get your podcasts. Watch our videos on the Oregonian's YouTube channel. And, of course, follow us on Instagram at Peak Northwest. This episode of the show was produced
1: by me, Jim Ryan, alongside Jamie Hale and Elliot News. Stay safe and happy travels, everyone. Until next time, we leave you with this 10 seconds of zen.